We're recording this at 6.30 in the evening on February 3rd, 2020, so it's exactly 21 days until nothing happens on trade deadline. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, one of the top 40 hockey podcasts in all of India. (laughs) Are we actually? Would I lie to you? Please tell me that's true. It's absolutely true. That makes me feel good. I'm Stuart Jones and with me is Darren Blatt. I'm famous in India. I don't know about that. Uh, Darren, I feel like all I need to say to get us going is... uh, No, wait, I can't even start that. We gotta do the scorecard first. Oh, that's right. We gotta do our scorecard, particularly because of how well we did. Yeah. It gets easier every time there's less games. (laughs) Yeah, it really helps that there was only three games, right? (laughs) The Oilers had three games in the past couple weeks. All-Star game or something happened in there. Uh, I said they'd win 2-0-3. You said they'd win one. They went 2-0-1. So I was bang on and you were very close. <laughs> Though I guess out of three games, it's pretty easy uh, to be I close. Know. I don't know if I'm going to feel good about how close I was on that one. The Flames, we both said they would win one out of their three. Mm-hmm. And they went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Look at that. So we were both dead on. And there was two Battle of Alberta games in that mess of three games. <laughs> And we both figured they'd each win one, and sure enough, they each won one. They did, yep. Uh, the January 29th game went to the Flames in a shootout, 4-3. to three, And the February 2nd game went to the Oilers, 8-3. to three, Definitely not in a shootout. <laughs> definitely not, no. Well, you could consider that a shootout. It's just uh, only one team one participated. Team playing. It was a 60-minute shootout for one team. <laughs> yeah, um, so... I feel like all I need to say to get us started on these games uh, is a uh, goalie fight. Goalie fight. Goalie fight. It happened. I yeah. Feel, I feel like the Flames kind of had the uh, lower class fighter in that one. Would you want to fight Mike Smith? <laughs> I would not. I, I believe in our group chat with our good friend Andrew, uh, him and I used the exact same word to describe Mike Smith, and that is unhinged. So that pretty much describes how that fight went. I wouldn't say that Cam Talbot won. Or or really participated in any meaningful way, but it was a goalie fight. Well, he was there. He was there. He He, got punched. Yep, and yes, many times. He gave a try. It was a good try. Yeah, uh, goalie fights obviously do not happen very often in the NHL period, uh, but apparently that was the very first one between Edmonton and Calgary. So That surprises me a little bit. I didn't fact check it, but someone, whoever told me it, I seem to have trusted. <laughs> I don't even remember at this I also, point. I also saw that probably from somebody on Twitter, so that means it's true, right? <laughs> obviously. <laughs> if anyone listening can prove otherwise, then by all means tell us. Yeah, get a hold of us if you dare. Yeah, so speaking of this heated Battle of Alberta-ness that has happened over the past few games, both these two and the the one before our last episode as well, we actually had a bit of podcast feedback related to this. What? We've been given credit for the heated nature of the Battle of Alberta. By? By someone who commented on our podcast. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so... All the begging has paid off. I will uh, read the comment... Uh, thanks, guys. Stu and Darren have single-handedly sparked the latest chapter in the B of A. It's been heating up since you started this broadcast last year. Coincidence? I think not. So, thank you very much to Steve 17 for that comment. It's all us. Yeah, definitely us who's uh, ignited this fire, right? Yeah. So, uh, would you like to elaborate at all on your feelings of the past 
few games. Yeah, I can do that. It's not going to have too much to do with the Oilers. A little bit. But I kind of went from the angle of, did we learn anything about the Flames from these three games? I mean, they're they 3-1 and one against the Oilers this year. That's pretty good. The last game didn't go so well. They lost eight to three, and that's uh, that's a little ugly. But what did what did we learn about the Flames? I took away a couple points. They're really hard to peg this year, and I'm not a tactician by any means or an NHL hockey strategist, so I don't I can't tell you how they differ from last year. But what I learned is that Kachuk is more than willing to stand up for himself. He gets called a lot of names, and he kind of got the short end of the stick for the media stick, I guess, for a week there, and he was the villain. But he didn't shy away. I think that was pretty cool. I also think that he didn't necessarily have to fight Cassian. He would have gotten a lot of flack for not fighting Cassian, but I was impressed to see him stand up for himself because he knew he knew he was going to get his teeth fed to him. <laughs> yep. He can't, he can't like, stand up in a fight against Cassian. Not many people can. So I learned that Kachuk, he's really invested in this team. I like to see that. He will do anything to win. He will do anything to kind of keep his name like a respectful light. Maybe people won't respect him that much, but he stood up and fought yeah. when it was kind of scary to do that. And he didn't really have to. So good for him. And he was one of the few to show up in the game that they lost 8-3. He fought someone that's more in his weight class, who is <laughs> Ethan Bear. Kachuk's, Kachuk's here for the Flames. So that's one thing I learned. The other thing I learned is that Andrew Manjapani loves playing against the Oilers. <laughs> yeah. I did look up his stats, his splits. I learned how to do that. You can look up how many things he scored against a particular team. That's uh-huh. fun. I feel like I should be hired to like an analytics department now. <laughs> but Andrew Manjapani, in his four games against the Oilers this year, he has three goals and three assists. So six points in four games. He, he doesn't have all that many points on the year, but... He clearly enjoys playing in the high-intensity games. That's always a good thing to see in a player. Those are a couple of the things I learned about a couple of Flames. It's hard to learn much more about them because sometimes the big guns don't look so interested or they weren't playing so well against the Oilers. But Kachuk and Manjapani showed up, and I think that's really great. Something else I was interested in, I saw kind of a theory online about why the Flames are doing so much worse this year than they did last year. Because if you remember last year, they were second in the league. Mm -hmm. And they were also one of the top three teams in the league in scoring. This year, they are way down the list. They are a bottom five team in the league in scoring. So what happened? And what this poster on a forum brought up, which was I thought was very interesting, was that the Flames defensemen scored a ton last year. So last year, Giordano had 74 points at the end of the at the end of the year right now he only has 26 and i realize there's time to get more but i think we can safely assume he's not going to get up to 74 likewise for brody he had 34 points and right now he's got 14 and noah hannafin had 33 points and right now he also has 14 these are the three defensemen i would say are the rush leaders are the guys that would get the most points on the flames defense and they're just not getting points this year at the pace that they normally would so What does that mean? Well, I think last year the Flames played a different style where the defensemen were encouraged to take risks and get up there to make offense. And that showed in Giordano getting 74 points and and Gaudreau getting 99 points, Monaghan having a big scoring year. They were taking risks and those risks were paying off. You know, they, they have really intelligent offensive players 
who can skate pretty quick and pass really well. What might have happened here is that they did this all year. They got into a series against Colorado where Colorado figured them out to some degree and neutralized what the Flames were good at. And it scared the Flames off this year, I think, to some degree. Now, this is just a theory. Again, I'm not going to watch hours of tape and figure (laughs) out who's positioned where and what the transition game looks like. But the Flames just aren't scoring nearly as much. And I think it might be an overreaction to how Colorado shut them down, which I think is a big mistake. Because if you're second in the league and you're top three in the league in scoring, that's a good thing. You don't want to regress big time from that. Maybe you want to focus on certain points on defense. But I don't think you want to just drop off the face (laughs) of the earth in your scoring ways just because Colorado had a really good series against you. So I thought that was a pretty cool theory. Who knows if it's true or not, but it seems to have at least some kernels of truth because the Flames just aren't scoring nearly as much this year, and we know they have the talent to do that. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on is what the defense look like. Are they trying to push the play up the ice, or are they playing safe and scared? So I thought that was pretty cool. And I got a couple notes just to throw in at the end. Come on, Oilers fans. You need to stop <laughs> whining about everything. I just have to get this off my chest. Oh, my goodness. Kachuk hit Cassian, and it was so dirty, and Kachuk should be fined and thrown out of the league, and he's the worst, and he's a turtle, and let's wear turtle costumes. Oh, Giordano almost tripped McDavid and looked like it was almost dirty because he almost hit him, and Giordano's a murderer, and oh, my goodness. Big Save Dave threw his stick in the air after he won, and he's the most arrogant per- You know what? Just accept a loss once in a while. You know, it happens. The Oilers beat the Flames 8-3. I'm not out here, like, nitpicking every play from the game and maybe the Oilers player hit a Flames player just so and I think it was so dirty. No, the Flames lost because the Oilers scored a lot of goals. <laughs> like, And there's been some memes I've been reading online from Oilers fans about the victory that I think are hilarious. Lose with a little bit of grace. This mostly goes to people online... I don't see Stu sitting here complaining about everything that the Flames did. That was oh so dirty. But people need to learn to lose with grace. A rivalry isn't fun because people are complaining to the league all the time about things that went so wrong. Just just lose with a little bit of grace. It makes it so much more fun. And also, to Flames fans, it's not the end of the world when you lose a hockey game. The Flames are 3-1 against the Oilers, and after this last loss, online is all about how badly we need to trade Johnny Gaudreau and how Mark Giordano is now the worst defenseman in the league and all of these things. The Flames are past their competitive window. I Come on, man. I think we were seeing the differences between Flames and Oilers fans a little bit. Oilers fans will look for anything to blame on the Flames, and the Flames will look for anything to blame on themselves. Like It's so odd. People just need to lighten up. It's a sport. Your team will lose, especially in a league that's so close like the NHL. Anything will happen. Your team might not make the playoffs this year. It happens. But you know what? Life goes on even in the Battle of Alberta. So, Stu, I hope you don't contradict me on any of these points. I was very impassioned of me. (laughs) No, I will actually support most of your points because I think those are like... You know, everything that happened with Kachuk, yeah, he, you know, hit Cassian, sketchy hits, whatever, didn't fight him, whatever. Then he came back and got his (laughs) face whooped (laughs) by Cassian. So, you know, 
comeuppance or whatever. <laughs> we all feel so vindicated. Uh, then, you know, Riddick does a little stick flip. Maybe a bit showy, but, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of fun never hurt anybody. And then when he got pulled in the last <laughs> yep. game, the entire oiler bench was chirping him on his way past the long change. So he uh, he got his comeuppance as well. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't have a huge problem with uh, a little bit of fun here and there. And uh, everyone gets their turn yeah, <laughs> when it, it comes back around. comes back so, around. Um. So, yeah, that being said, I, I don't have much more to say about the uh, Battle of Alberta games. Uh, I thought they were good, fun, high-scoring hockey games, uh, you know, and maybe uh, I will only... Only the Oilers fans think the last one was fun, but even the one where we lost in a shootout I thought was fun because it was close. And um, But, yeah, uh, definitely a good, exciting rivalry, and I can't wait for the last game of the series which is, in fact, the last game of the, the season. The very last game, yeah. Uh, and uh, who knows if we're still side-by-side side in the standings. <laughs> it might be a very important game. It may play a role as, like, who gets home ice in our possible playoff contention. Oh, boy. It's been jinxed. It's not happening. Yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said <laughs> that. But uh, anyways, I look forward to that game and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, a handful more after that. Hopefully. <laughs> what I did um, take some notes on much before any of this happened uh, was the Cassian deal. Because Cassian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. Okay, right? I just got buried just in there, didn't I? completely forgot about that. Yeah. He uh, signed an extension to his deal. Uh, right before the game where he came back from his suspension, as you don't usually have a lot of leverage while you're currently <laughs> suspended, but apparently he got it done. So it's a four-year deal with a 3.2 million hit every year. You know, it's not a steal or anything, but I think it's a pretty decent deal. Um, four years is pretty reasonable considering he's, you know, he had a really 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 tough early on in his career um obviously went through a lot of issues that i won't get into Mm. now but ever since he's moved to edmonton he's really cleaned up his act um off the ice anyways (laughs) (laughs) and so uh he's he's on he's he's getting better every day and uh becoming a a great player to have around. So I, I think it's, you know, a pretty good deal. Uh, again, I don't think it's necessarily like a steal of a deal. We didn't rip him off, but I don't think he ripped us off either. Uh, like if you're looking at strictly from like a goal scoring perspective, which let's face it, that's not how you would examine a Cassian contract. But even uh. if you are, are looking at it that way, uh, if you look at the guys between a three and four million cap hit, who've had more than 40 games this year, uh, Cassian's pretty much right in the middle of those guys for points this season so you know like i said not not a steal but a pretty good deal uh in my books and really again i don't think that's how you look at a cassian contract cassian is more than just the points he gets um i think he's a huge impact in the locker room i've heard lots of stories um from reporters and from oilers about how he's a major contributor to the room and uh, very positive influence. I know even like, I know a lot of Flames fans like, really, Cassian? And probably even a lot of Oilers fans like, really, Cassian? <laughs> but apparently that's true. Uh, in fact, just to pull a, a quote here, so I'm not just, you know, saying unnamed sources or anything. Uh, this is a quote from Dreisaitl about Cassian. He's just kind of the heart and soul of our team. He brings the energy every night, and it's great to have him here for next for the next four years. So... 
Uh, if somebody like Leon Dreisaitl is saying that Cassian is the heart and soul of the team and brings a lot of energy, um, I think that's that's an important get for the Oilers. I think he's going to make him make it worth our while to keep him for a few more years. So, And points-wise, again, I think he's doing great, and I think he's got nowhere to go but up from here. But maybe that's just me being a little bit optimistic. I guess we'll see how it turns out. Call me in four years and tell me how badly I was. All right. And if Gassian's the heart and soul of the team, I guess that leaves McDavid with the legs and the straining back <laughs> muscles of the team, eh? Yes. Yeah. Legs definitely uh, killing, aching back from carrying the team and all that, all those sorts of jokes. But yes, that, that would be a good analogy. <laughs> It is time for celebrations and scornerifics. I shall go first, <laughs> since we can't decide on the pluralism nature of these words, and it is driving me insane. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first because mine both relate to the same thing. So my silly is for Seattle because I think they kind of spiced up the NHL news cycle over the All Star break with the rumor that they would name their team the Kraken. Now. You may be saying, it wasn't Seattle. It was just some random dude on Twitter that leaked it. <laughs> Here's my conspiracy theory. This is Well, the last one wasn't a conspiracy theory. That was just a gameplay theory. This is my conspiracy theory. Seattle might have leaked that name to see what the public thought about it before they went ahead and just decided to name their team the Kraken. And I don't know. Like I thought it was decidedly mixed. I, can't, I honestly can't decide. I wish they would go Krakens. Again, plural. <laughs> you like, really have an issue with pluralism. Yeah, well, <laughs> the Seattle Kraken, the Seattle Krakens, and it, it doesn't really matter. I think it'd be a cool name. I, I think it's one that would, you know, stand up to the test of time. It's not weird, in my opinion. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard It's hard to nail down a new team name, right? Like, the Vegas Golden Knights sounds right to me now. It just It's normal, and I thought it was a decent name when it came out. I saw a lot of people online saying, you don't want a debacle like the Golden Knights. And I was like, what does that mean? What, is, there, is there a section of people out there that think the Golden Knights is the worst name for a sports team? I don't know. But uh, it brought up some really interesting debates online about the team name, the Kraken, and a lot of fun logos to look at. To be fair, there were some very interesting logos, some bad interesting, and some very <laughs> good interesting. I thought they'd look really sweet on a sweater. So... Props to Seattle, whether they leaked it or not, on uh, kind of giving us something to talk about over the All-Star break, which can sometimes be a little slow on the news cycle. And for, you know, bringing up the fact that Seattle exists in the NHL market, because I had forgotten that that's coming up in 2021. So, yeah, that was interesting. And for my scorn, um, the Seattle Kraken name is... One of a few options. Another one is the Seattle Sockeyes. Now, I read an article today by Craig Custance on The Athletic, and apparently there's a lot of vitriol being directed at an author named Jamie Davenport. Why? Well, she writes a fictional book series about a fictional NHL team named the Seattle Sockeyes. It's a hockey romance series. So figure that one out for yourself. It's all explained in the article, but apparently she felt the need to get her name out there and get her side of a story out there because a lot of NHL fans are directing anger at her for like trademarking the name Seattle Sockeyes. And they think that she's standing in the way of NHL Seattle naming their team the Sockeyes. And she said, no, 
No, this is not true. Now, this is this is all true. Like, she has a team named the Seattle Sockeyes, but she's not standing in the way of the NHL Seattle team. She said she's actually sent emails to them saying she'd be happy to work with them and that she only trademarked it so that if the Seattle NHL team decides to go with Sockeyes, that they wouldn't come after her right. retroactively. Makes sense. And... In all of this, fans have decided to send her lots of direct messages on Twitter and stuff telling her how terrible she is for standing in the way of this decidedly average name yes. for their team. I don't know what a sock guy is. It sounds very, very um, like American college sportsy to name your team a sock guys, but whatever. Yeah, come on, people. Do you, are you really going to track down this author on Twitter to send her hate mail over something that doesn't even exist yet? And I just thought that was ridiculous. I'm glad Craig Custance decided to write an article on it and clear clear her good name for this terrible crime. But the article was actually a good read. It's on The Athletic, like I said. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to go and read her books out of pity because that doesn't really sound like up my alley. But... Everybody just lay off this poor lady. She's just protecting herself and she is happy to work with the Seattle team if they want to take the name Sockeyes. Heaven forbid. <laughs> well, speaking of the All-Star break in which Seattle was not involved but somehow got Darren's attention twice. <laughs> Both mine, uh, my Sally and my score, are regarding the All-Star game slash events weekend, whatever they're calling them. So my celly is for uh, Patrick Kane. So he plays for Chicago in case, you know, you don't watch hockey and somehow are listening <laughs> to this podcast. Uh, Chicago, relatively close to St. Louis, divisional rivals. The All-Star Game was hosted in St. Louis. Now that I've given you all the background information. <laughs> the relevant context. Patrick Kane was getting booed incessantly every time he was at all relevant at the All-Star event. Uh, any sort of mention of his name, anytime he touched a puck, anytime he waved his hand or whatever, he was just getting booed because, you know, people in St. Louis hate Chicago, divisional rivals, etc. So then he's playing on the Central Division team because, mm -hmm. you know, that's how the All-Star <laughs> game works. So when he scores for the Central Division team, all of a sudden St. Louis starts cheering for him. <laughs> So his reaction to that was the Hulk Hogan move, which in case you're like Darren, who I had to explain this to. <laughs> I know who Hulk Hogan is. I didn't know what his move was. It's well, it's kind of a little taunt he does or did, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, he's cups his hand to his ears, basically trying to egg people on to cheer or boo louder. So. I thought that was a, a pretty good reaction from Patrick Kane. Basically, anytime he was hearing them booing, he was just laughing. Like, he was loving every minute of it. So, of course, as soon as he scores and they start cheering for him, he has to egg that on even, even further. Better. So, props to him for having fun with it because, um, you know, the All-Star game can sometimes get a little dry. So, a little bit of character in there doesn't hurt anyone. Yeah. So, my scorn is also kind of about the All-Star game. It's really more about reactions to the All-Star game. And uh, I'll, I'll give Darren some credit for this one. because uh, <laughs> It's not the credit I want. <laughs> I didn't really have a scorn for this episode. And he was suggesting, oh, what about like the weird electronic sensors at the All-Star shootout thing? 
And I was like, you know what? I don't even care about... And then I realized that's exactly what my scorn is. The people who care about this thing enough to complain about it. Because it's the freaking All-Star game and the All-Star skills contest. It is the least consequential thing in NHL history. Like, I was going to say I don't want to get down on it, but I was clearly just getting down on it. If you like the All-Star game, all the power to you. It's kind of fun for some people. You know, if you enjoy it, by all means, enjoy it. But literally, it means nothing. So if one guy hits the sensor and it doesn't break the target or whatever, and another guy doesn't hit the sensor and it does break the target, who freaking cares? <laughs> Hockey is like second only to baseball in the whole old school, oh my goodness, technology scares us. Especially all the old white men commentators. They're always like questioning, what is this weird, there's doing this weird new thing, Joe, and I got to explain it to you seven times because everyone who's watching doesn't understand it, just like I don't. <laughs> That's your announcement right there. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I announce hockey. And uh, yeah, so those guys that just like complain about the technology being added to not even the game, to just some sideshow of the game, it's just so inconsequential i just could not care but apparently enough to complain about the people complaining yeah. about it yeah. so it all seemed very pointed yeah that's my scorn i'm hurt <laughs> prediction time what Woo! you got uh we're gonna predict how well the oilers and flames are gonna do over the next few weeks couple weeks so from february 3rd to the 15th the oilers have six games and the flames have seven mm-hmm uh, you want me to start? Go for it. What you got? I think the Oilers are doing well-ish. <laughs> <laughs> they beat the Flames. They beat the Flames. They beat St. Louis. That's pretty good. That's yeah. better than beating the Flames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, and the teams they have coming up are not super difficult. Uh, I think they're going to win four out of six. You know, a right. bit better than 500, but, uh, you know, not, not sweeping it by any means. But I think they're doing well and they're rolling into it. We'll see how wrong I am. <laughs> I've got the Oilers going three and three because they do have a few, I guess you could call them easy games, um, but they are rolling into the East and they've got to take on teams like Tampa and Florida. So that's never easy when you got to go down there. So yeah, Tampa's, Tampa's difficult. I'm going to get, I'm going to give them three and three. They're going to get way too high on themselves after beating the mighty flames eight to three, <laughs> and then they're going to fall from grace. That seems completely reasonable. Mm-hmm. How about the Flames in their seven games? Well, I've got the Flames going five and two in their seven games, which surprises even me. <laughs> really? But they get to go on once what once was the dreaded California road trip, but is now the really easy and kind of uh, vacation-like California road trip. So, I mean, they get to play San Jose, who's struggling, and L.A., who's far down the uh, standings, and Anaheim, which I forget sometimes even exists. <laughs> so... I have the Flames going 5-2. and two. Hopefully they'll use the road trip down into California to catch some sun and also beat up on some subpar hockey teams. What do you think? Yeah, I saw a similar thing that you saw in that schedule. Looks like a pretty easy few teams. But I also thought, you know, the Flames just, just don't like Anaheim. 
You That's know? true. You know? So they have broken the curse. They they have, but you know <laughs> still don't really love it down there. <laughs> Um, it's, so, the, uh, it's the Disneyland binge for yeah, Drew. That, mu- that must be You can't ride the rides and ride it's very Space sad. Mountain too many times or <laughs> something. Uh, so I, I was very close to what you said. I think they're going to win four uh, instead of five. So m- maybe it's Anaheim that's the deciding factor. Maybe it's not. But uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to do fairly well on that road trip. But uh, I guess not quite as well as you think they will. And that's our 20th episode, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We'll call that a milestone. You can make anything a milestone if you want to, but we'll go with 20. Uh, Thank you so much for listening once again to the Battle of Alberta podcast. Make sure to rate, like, and subscribe, and even comment. Apparently, we read those on the podcast, so get commenting and we'll read them. Once again, our theme song is Lose Your Head by Apache Tomcat, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening.